You're listening to Season 2 of I'll Meet You in the Lobby with host Jacinta Phelan. Our featured guest is Andrew Cox, the sole owner of the Imperium Capital Group of Companies based in Melbourne, Australia. Born in Christchurch, New Zealand, Andrew graduated from the University of Canterbury in 1993 with a Bachelor of Commerce. He commenced his professional career with a role at HSBC Christchurch in corporate banking, then in 1996 moved to Australia to assume a general manager finance role with brewer Jay Bogenson, later joining KPMG as a corporate finance director. In 2001, Andrew founded the Imperium Group, which today owns, operates and manages a diversified portfolio of businesses operating in luxury accommodation, restaurants and more. This episode of I'll Meet You in the Lobby is brought to you by SeniorStays.com.au, travel deals for the over 50s. Today's guest on I'll Meet You in the Lobby is owner and managing director of the Imperium Group, Andrew Cox. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks very much for having me. Let's start by giving our listeners an insight into Andrew Cox. You are Melbourne-based now, but can you share with us where, where it all began? Sure. Yeah, I moved to Australia about 26 years ago. Uh, I was a banker in Christchurch, New Zealand with a bank called HSBC. And uh, I was involved in the restructuring and relisting on the Australian Stock Exchange of a company called, which became known as J. Bogan Son, the beer company out of Tasmania. Andrew, you founded the Imperium Group in 2001, which today owns and operates and manages a diversified portfolio of businesses. Can you tell our listeners the motivation behind starting your own business? Um, I guess I was always a frustrated entrepreneur. Um, I came from a family of small business people in uh, New Zealand and ultimately I'd done advisory work and I really wanted to go and do my own thing. I started Imperium, interestingly enough, on the day my eldest daughter was born. I walked out of the maternity suite at St Vincent's Hospital and went down to KPMG Corporate Finance where I was a director and um, resigned I thought there was never going to be a better day to start my own business. Imperium Tourism Holdings currently operates luxury accommodation, restaurants, adventure tourism, technology solutions, home improvement systems. Can you give us an insight into these businesses? Yes, it's a fairly eclectic mix of businesses. Uh, um, I always joke that I've when I was younger, I probably had a relatively short attention span to things, so I was always looking for other things to do. Um, I guess today in my adult life, that's not dissimilar. Um, I love the game of business and buying things and fixing them, and ultimately just, um, I guess, empowering people within the organisation to go and run and execute the businesses that are, that are within my group. What do you enjoy most about being an entrepreneur? <laughs> I guess freedom and the challenge or the excitement of being able to do whatever you want in business. You know, entrepreneur is an interesting word. I mean, ultimately, I I love the game of business and and fixing and growing things. Um, I think I'm a very active manager of my businesses. And I think that the thing with being an entrepreneur... It's not for everyone. Some people like structure. I think I like an unstructured, structured environment. 
What are your biggest challenges as a leader of the Imperium Group? I think in any business today, it, it, there's two parts to those challenges. One is people and the other is technology. Um, how technology is going to impact your customer or your guest experience, how it's going to impact the way you connect with those customers and those guests. And the other key piece is just the people. We're ultimately, all, all business today is customer-facing in, in one way or another. And um, getting great staff that are, I think, empowered and focused is the, the biggest single challenge. doesn't matter what level of the organisation it is. People's your biggest challenge, and particularly in Australia. That was going to be my next question, actually. You've, you've got it around about 500 employees. What do you look for when you, when you employ someone? Yeah, so when I'm looking for people and I try to meet um, any full-time employee joining the business, uh, particularly in, out of the corporate office, and all kind of senior management level employees, um, I think ultimately they're going to be working in my organisation and they need to know me and understand um, the DNA of Imperium and, and I guess the DNA of me. So what I look for is three things. I want them to bring PIP. What I call PIP is pace, intensity and passion to the job. Life's too short to do a shitty job. And, you know, you've got to love what you're doing. doesn't matter where you are in the organisation. You've got to be passionate and engaged about it. Everyone's got a really important role to play. I want them to spend money as if it's their own. So that's... You know, being able to make sensible judgments on on decisions that impact the guest or the customer or, or the business itself. And the final thing I want them to do is to make themselves redundant. It doesn't matter what they do in the organisation, and that's not in the traditional Australian way of getting a cheque and getting, you know, pushed out the door. It's about the faster we can do things better, simpler, smarter, the faster we can grow as a group or a company or a division, and the faster they can grow in their own roles. If you weren't the managing director of the Imperium Group, what would Andrew Cox be doing? (laughs) A very interesting question. I I really don't know the answer to that question at the moment. Um, You know, like, I I don't think about retirement or about sitting on a beach doing nothing as much as I like to sit on a beach and chill. I, I really don't know what I would do. When I started my business, I sort of took the view of um, Cortez when he went to the New World and he burnt the boats. So failure wasn't an option and I always took the view that no one else would want to employ me because, you know, I wouldn't have a great CV. Um, so today... I really don't know. I did think about maybe just working in a pub behind a, at a bar or something. I, I simply don't know. I've always loved hospitality. I've loved that, that kind of social aspect of it. So probably working in a bar. Maybe I'd be a barista. Enjoy a sensational two-night getaway in the heart of Sydney's CBD, staying at the heritage-listed Castlereagh Boutique Hotel. Whether you're staying with a loved one or a friend, you'll feel spoiled with this very affordable boutique bed and breakfast package for only $198 per night with a minimum two-night stay. 
It includes accommodation in a double or twin chair room, full buffet breakfast daily, and two drink vouchers on arrival. Based on two people per room, available for minimum two night stays from 15th to 27th of December 2019 and 2nd to 26th of January 2020. Not applicable with another promotional offer or member discount. Can you please talk to me about execution? What do you do to ensure that the, that your strategic plans actually become reality? That's a good question. Um, look, we have a very structured planning process. Um, I think ultimately strategic plans in most organisations, just they're really just guardrails. They're a guidance. When you're an entrepreneurial organisation, you typically don't have core stability in the businesses. You have you 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 are pushing those business plans hard because you want growth, you want new ideas, you want new things. Um, so you know we have monthly meetings and um, uh, reviews to budget and reviews to plan and stuff like that. But each one of my businesses has a growth objective, and those growth objectives are organic and also acquisition. Um, so what I've in my traditional experience is the plans are kind of nice guardrails and guidelines. They're not hard and fast um, line in the sand stuff. And I think sometimes it would be better if they were, and other times you put a handbrake on a business. What questions are you asking yourself lately? So the business school answer in this to a question like that is, you know, what's going to impact my business going forward? What are the technology implications? What are the people implications? What's the geopolitical implications? Travel particularly is... Um, you know, impacted on what is going on in the world. In the space that I operate, which is ultra luxury, high net worth, and also youth travellers, those businesses, those sectors tend to be less impacted by um, negative geopolitical impacts. When um, times are good, rich people travel. When times are bad, rich people travel. When times are good, backpackers travel, and when times are bad, backpackers travel. So it tends to be the mid-tier of the of the travel and tourism market that gets impacted by um, negative uh, events globally. That said, there's definitely been an impact in the youth market um, with Brexit, and to a lesser extent, a slowdown in the German economy. This, that's starting to recover, which is positive. So I guess... The non-business school answer is to why is more, for me, it's how. How do I get more people in the organisation that share my vision and values? I've got fantastic people in the company, in the group. But, you know, you get into an organisation like Imperium and some people like constant change, others want stability and normality. And what we have to do as an entrepreneurial organisation is make sure we've got stability and normality in the core customer-facing parts of the business and yet still have that entrepreneurial zeal at the strategic or divisional level so that all the businesses are focused on growth um, year in and year out. Looking back on your career, what are some of the mistakes you wish you could have avoided? I actually think that's a really good question. 
And again, there's kind of cliched answers, but the reality for me is I believe that in any business, as soon as you stop focusing on growth and innovation, you begin to die. And if I look back on a couple of businesses that I've had in the past, you know, when I stopped focusing on growth, stopped focusing on innovation and let everything else going on in the world at the time impact my decision making rather than just pushing on with my strategies and um, not being arrogant about what was going on but but kind of rolling up in a bit of a ball. I think ultimately you've always got to be growing whatever you're doing and you've got to be innovating. Entrepreneurship can be a tough road. In the difficult moments, how do you stay focused and moving forward and making progress? Look, I think there's two parts to that. I've got a great wife and lovely um, daughters. I think that always keeps you fairly um, sane and focused. I also think you've just... Look, as an entrepreneur, you, you've got to be right 80% of the time and the 20% you're wrong, you've just got to fix it. And I think if you can get that DNA into your direct reports and into the wider organisation, then you, you end up with a great culture and you end up with a um, an organisational DNA that, that kind of rolls with the punches, which rolls with any... F- failure moments you just pick yourself up dust it off and and carry on Andrew what is one thing people would be surprised to know about you um I have a difficulty spelling so um I wouldn't claim to be dyslexic but I do struggle um so I'm a very visual person and um I like visual reports um you know, I'm, I can pick up mistakes and stuff like that. That would be my biggest uh, secret that's now out there. What's the best advice you ever received? Always play with a straight bat. Operate the way you want um, people to operate with you. And look, I have a very strong NDH rule about people I do business with. And I think that that's a really important Um, way to approach things you know you end up dealing with people that are genuinely problematic or um, maybe don't share share your values invariably they're not great people to do business with has there been any one person in your business network that has been important to your journey and can you share how they opened doors for you there's probably um five and the first two are very cliched, um, my mother and father. Um, they were very hardworking, um, uh, small business people in Christchurch, New Zealand. I think in my professional career, there was there's the three, uh, a guy called Chris Weir, who was my um, boss when I was at Hong Kong Bank. And he was a very tough taskmaster. And I learned an awful lot about attention to detail and following through on what you say you're going to do. Philip Atkins was a American investment banker who ended up owning 50.1%, I think, of what was Jay Bogan Son, the beer company. And he was a very, very determined and focused um, venture capitalist. So I learned some really good qualities about driving businesses 
and working hard from him. And the last person is actually still on my board today um, is a guy called Ian Knight, who was a director at KPMG Corporate Finance and gave me a job there after a um, chat over a cup of coffee. So I'm grateful to all three of those people as to what I learned from them. What has been your biggest accomplishment in life so far? Again, sounds a little cliched, but, you know, having two wonderful, intelligent daughters who are, um, you know, successful in their own, their own right, their own age. I think that's a, that's a wonderful co- uh, quality. I think in business, it's building up from nothing to a, um, a reasonable size, small to medium business. In your opinion, where do you think the tourism industry could improve and what destination do you feel is doing it well at the moment? I think the destination that is doing it well is New Zealand. I think New Zealand does tourism exceptionally well. Um, I think part of that is about, in New Zealand, it's a career in its own right. And whereas I think in Australia, we sometimes pay at lip service. It's an industry or sector that you do on the way to somewhere else. Um, we've got um, an overly compliant culture in Australia that means that we lack some of the innovation that, that New Zealand has. And I don't think um, compliance is a bad thing, and we've got OHS and all that, but I do think in some respects we've swung too far one way and we kind of need to bring that back to the middle because what it does do is it stops those innovative tours around Australia. Um, it... it it makes it hard to get people in certain locations. It, it creates um, a handbrake on growing what should be a really critical sector to the Australian economy. Do you have any predictions you would like to share with us for the future of travel and hospitality industry? I think that the growth of social media, the growth of the technology um, providers and, and players like Google... Um, Amazon, etc., that are disrupting or changing the industry, will ultimately, their impact will actually lessen, not strengthen over time, because people will want to get back to the experience. You know, Google, Amazon, they can't disintermediate the bed. They can't disintermediate the actual physical activity of going to the rock or going to the Great Barrier Reef. Yes, they can... Um, put a 3D glasses on you and you can think you're there, but it's never going to replace being there and experiencing the, the actual wonder that it is. So I think that like all significant disruptive technologies, ultimately we, return, we will return to a new normal and that new normal will be a combination of that new technology and the traditional experience of travel. What does your life look like when you're week is over and the weekend begins i really look forward to the weekend uh i look i think as an entrepreneur you are seven days a week 365 days of the year anyway um i get up every morning i know what all the businesses have done in terms of sales guests etc so i think you're always connected i love friday nights at home um the weekends will involve girls sport um, spending time with uh, my wife and children uh, and 
I'd probably work a couple of hours on Saturday and Sunday, just going through stuff, catching up on stuff. Um, I do tend to get a lot of work done in those two hours, just funnily enough, I think it's a far more productive two hours than some of the eight-hour days I spend in the office. What has been your most emotional moment whilst travelling that took you by surprise? That's a really hard question to answer. I think I'm always in wonder when I go to new places. Um, and I think, I mean, that's the magic of travel. Um, I was in Darwin two weeks ago, first time I'd been there. And I thought it was a really beautiful city and it wasn't what I was expecting it to be. Um, I was in uh, Alice Springs. Um, and I thought once I got out of the town, the, the, the beauty and the colours and the, um, the, the views that you, you could see there were incredible. So in terms of that um, emotional moment, probably the most emotional tour was going to the um, September 11 Museum in New York and hearing the um, telephone recordings on loop. What kind of holiday do you enjoy going on? Something adventurous or something relaxing? And where, do you, where are you off to next? Um, I love it all. Um, I love relaxing holidays. I love adventure holidays. Um, I'm off to Noosa next week, which will be a nice relaxing holiday, but also to see some of my businesses based up there. Um, big trips next year, probably to um, Europe, Croatia. Should be nice. If you had one piece of advice to someone just starting out in their own business, what would it be? The number one piece of advice, and I've given this to others, is you have to be all in. You have to burn the boats and you have to give it a red hot go. And if it doesn't work out, there's, there's no shame in that. But what you don't want to be is half in, half out. Um, you have to be 100% committed to your own journey and your own business and it's not always um, a wonderful experience it's tough and you've just got to persevere and also accept that there's no shame in failure and finally what's next for Andrew Cox and the Imperium Group can you share with us and our listeners um, any new projects or ventures you were working on at the moment sure look if my group is very diverse with lots of different parts to it and I essentially set each general manager or senior manager a goal. We've got to have organic growth, so that's through um, just driving positive revenue growth um, and we've got to have um, acquisition growth. Ultimately, that comes down to how much we can afford to invest in buying businesses I think in business, in any part of it, you're either going to build, borrow, or buy. And so I like that constant mantra with the team. So right now, I've got acquisitions for the Discovery Adventure Group. Um, I've got some for the Technology Group. Andrew, if you had the power to change one thing in the world right now, what would it be? I think in Australia, the labour laws are counterproductive to developing a great tourism and hospitality sector. Um, this is not about 
paying people low wages or anything like that. I think it's more about reflecting we operate in a 24-7 economy and having things like um, weekend rates being different to Monday to Friday rates makes the whole management of labour cost very hard. And we have a generation or an industry of workers that are by their nature used to working different hours. That is what the hospitality sector is all about. It's what the travel and tourism sector is all about. So I think that would be the one thing I would encourage um, some change in. Andrew, thank you for joining us today on, on I'll Meet You in the Lobby. It's been wonderful having you on. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to I'll Meet You in the Lobby, hosted by Jacinta Phelan. This podcast is produced, edited and recorded by Simon Blair from 5 Degrees. Contact Simon on 0407 002 113.